All right, we have a guest speaker today, um, and his name is Tracy Pano. He has been a friend of Christy and I, him and his wife Debbie, and their kids. I used to teach their kids piano lessons way back in the day, and now they've all started illustrious careers as professional piano players, right? No? No. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's stuck. Um, but Tracy and his wife Debbie have been a, a friend of ours for a lot of years. We've been at different churches together. Tracy now works for One Child Matters, which is a child sponsorship organization helping partner families here in the States with needy kids all around the world, providing food and education and other needs that they have. So he is going to share today. Um, and so we will uh, give him a nice warm welcome in just a minute. But as he comes, we are going to show a video which kind of introduces um, it tells a story of one child, and then Tracy will come up after that. Go ahead and show that video. Dear God, this is Lionel from Zimbabwe. Thank you for always listening to my prayers. I know you hear me, and I know you love me. We don't have much, and life can be very difficult where we live. But I want to thank you for helping my mom and me. When you brought One Child Matters into our community a few years ago, it changed everything. They gave me food, good clothes to wear, and they help me in school. When I am there, I learn more about you, that you love me, and that you have a special purpose for my life. I'm learning so much, and now I have so many friends. I am no longer shy or afraid. But the best thing of all is that you gave me a sponsor in America that loves me. She even sends me pictures of her and her family. And I love reading her letters. They always make me smile. She cares for me and my mom. And she's always praying for us. She may live very far away, but she is always in my heart. I love her. Today I sent a letter to her and included a drawing of my plane. It is so fast and can fly very far. And this is good because one day I want to be a pilot so that I can fly all the one child letters children with me to meet our sponsors. We want to tell them thank you and show them they are changing the world. Please, God, can you help my dream come true? I love you, Lionel. It's great to be here this morning. Uh, to be back. I was here uh, last summer. I uh, was able to speak. Um, this time I'm here to be able to 
tell you a little bit about what I do. Um, after uh, several years of being a youth pastor, uh, pastor, a church planter like Jeff and Christy, um, and then uh, 20 years in higher education as a college professor uh, and dean, God had a transition in my life, and um, one of those was the opportunity to be able to work uh, for One Child Matters. One Child Matters um, began in Calcutta, India. Uh, missionaries Mark and Hulda Buntain began it um, over 50 years ago. Um, and from those roots in India, it has grown. It is now, um, we are in 14 different countries around the world, some of the poorest countries in the world. As a matter of fact, um, a couple weeks ago, most of the countries that we were in were in the news because our president referred to them or of supposedly referred to several of the countries that we were in. And as the, the news kind of was reacting to that, all sides what it caused me to do is remember some of the faces and some of the, some of the children that I have met uh, in the last year and a half when I've been able to take uh, people, take pastors and sponsors uh, to meet their children and pastors to see our projects in those 14 different countries. Uh, we minister on a weekly basis to over 40,000 children in some of the poorest conditions. Uh, we have over 280 hope centers. Um, these hope centers um, minister to children in significant ways. Um, I, matter of fact, um, I don't know, do we have, well, yeah, we have some of the uh, pictures uh, working. Um, there's a picture of me and some pastors. It's a couple slides there. If it's working right there in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. And uh, it was able to go there. And I don't know if you uh, can see this. Um, one of the pastors, kind of the big pastor in the black shirt with the beard and the shiny head, um, in front of him, a little bit to his right, is a little girl. Her face is a little bit hidden. You see her? Her name is Maria. And Maria, as we were at this project, uh, was following around our group. Now, of course, you see, you know, tall, white guys, several of them without any hair, were kind of a unique sight in their uh, village as we were walking around. And Maria tagged along with us and every now and then would reach up and grab one of our hands and hold it as we were walking through. Just We didn't understand a lot of Spanish. My Spanish just is enough to get me in trouble. Um, and she didn't really understand English. Um, so at one point during our time at the uh, project, um, I asked through our interpreter, I asked her her name, how old she was. At that time, she was five years old. Um, and I asked her, because one of the things we asked is going, do you have a sponsor? Because we like to hear about the children, because they get to write to their sponsor, and the sponsor writes to them. Uh, the sponsor will send them pictures of their family. Um, and so I wanted to find out, do you have a sponsor? And I wanted to find out if she knew her sponsor. She says, no, I don't have a sponsor yet. She was unsponsored. And I wanted to make sure I understood through the, through the interpreter. So it was later that I went, I was back home. Of course, I work for the organization. So I said, hey, can you trace down a little girl at this project? Her name's Maria, um, and see if she has a sponsor. Because sometimes maybe a sponsor is in the works and just hasn't gotten to the, to the uh, project yet or to the child yet. And sure enough, Maria was not sponsored. And I said, I want to sponsor Maria. And so my wife and I began to sponsor Maria. Um, felt pretty good about myself sponsoring a child. I've got to meet her. It, it, it's wonderful. And as I'm going to churches, a lot of times what I really encourage people, because I'm here uh, to encourage you to consider sponsoring a child. Because changing the life of one changes everything. 
And I was able to be able to begin to sponsor Marie. And as I'm traveling around, I'm talking to people, I'm talking to churches, say, when you sponsor a child, what I'm asking for, I'm not asking for your tithe money. That belongs at your church. I'm not even asking for your missions money, to, to, for the missions projects and the missions programs uh, that a church endorsed. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for your Starbucks money, for your McDonald's money, for that extra cash. Only about $1.30 a day would make a difference in a life. If you could give $1.30 a day to make a difference, not only in one life, because what we discover is if you, as you're impacting that child, you're also impacting that child's family. You're impacting that child's family. You're impacting that child's village and community. And if you're in impacting that child's village and community, then you're impacting that child's country. And if you're impacting that child's country, you're making a difference in this world. So when you change the life of one, it changes everything. And as I, talk, I was talking to a pastor once, I had uh, met him, and I usually do most of my meetings um, at uh, Starbucks. And I'm sitting there with my cup of coffee that I had bought for myself, and that point, that was a mocha. And I had bought the coffee for the pastor, and I'm telling him about One Child Matters, and I say, you know, I tell people, it's not your tithe money, it's not your missions money, it's not your building fund money, this is your Starbucks. And all of a sudden, it was that moment that, you know, God can speak to you a whole sermon like in an instant. And what I felt as I'm getting ready to bring that coffee cup up to my lips, God's saying, what's that? Coffee. So it looks like you can afford it. Yes, I can. Looks like you can change another life. Yes, I can. Went home and told my wife that said, hey, I guess I'm going to drink a little bit less coffee. Maybe pare down from a mocha down to just coffee so that we can sponsor another kid. Sure enough, now we sponsor the home too out from Ethiopia. And so we, we, you know, as we continue adding children that we can sponsor because God keeps convicting me every time I tell the story of Lionel. Every time I tell the story of Maria, every time I tell the story of Nahom. Um, just a few weeks ago, I was in Haiti with uh, another group of pastors. The next picture, I do believe, is me uh, in Haiti. There I am. Uh, that's, we're visiting a village called Limbe, which is in, in the north part of Haiti. Um, extremely poor conditions. For us to get there, that was the road. Um, we had to get out of the vehicle that we were in, cross a stream. Yes, cross a stream with rocks, not a bridge, uh, to get to the village. And you can barely see it, but that's inside the, the project where the kids had gathered to be able to sing for us and to present. And then we were able to talk to them um, and be able to visit one of the children's homes uh, there. But one of the neat things about it, the next picture you'll see the pastor of the church, because every one of our projects is connected to a church. And so that child gets connected to the church, to the pastor and their family. Um, and then that family gets connected to the church and is able to minister to that family. Um, next picture real quick because that's the picture I want to get to because it's a picture of the pastor of that community talking to us and sharing his, his, his vision. He's the one in the blue shirt. And as he's sharing about his work there in that poor village in the northern part of the island of Haiti, the man sitting ne standing next to him in the green shirt is a man by the name of Salman. Salman is our national director for One Child Matters in Haiti. Now, he is over all of our projects in Haiti. He uh, oversees them on a regular basis, visiting them. He provides leadership and helps provide accountability to all the project directors and pastors. But the neat thing about Solomon's story is that Solomon himself was a child who was sponsored. 
He came through the program. He went on to college. He got a Bible degree. And now after ministering for a while, he is now directing the entire national program for One Child Matters in the nation of Haiti. He feels called to make a difference in his country. You make a difference in one, it changes everything. And there are several uh, scripture verses that as uh, we uh, look at it, we, we, can, we can look at because in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about uh, the end times and how uh, God's going to be on his throne and separate the sheep from the goats. And he's going to look at the sheep. He's getting ready to invite them in. He says, truly, I say to you, as you did it to the one of least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. God calls us to look out for the least of these. And as I travel around, as I share these stories, I'm able to share the story of the least of these, but realize that we can do something to minister to them to help change their lives. You see, poverty tells a child that you don't matter and nobody cares. They can never see for themselves anything other than what they see in their surroundings. They can never see themselves doing anything other than what they've seen their parents and their family members do. They do not see life outside of their poverty conditions. They do not see life outside of what uh, they have been told and what they have been shown. But the gospel tells a child that you matter and somebody cares. It provides for them hope. And that's really the message that One Child Matters brings to a child. We minister to them in a number of ways. First of all, we minister to their physical needs. We minister to them uh, through giving them medical care. We give them annual checkups as well as emergency care uh, when they're sick. We provide for them uh, nutrition. We provide for them meals. And we also teach their families how to provide nutritious meals um, in their budget. So we minister to them physically. We minister to them socially. You saw in the video, Lionel talks about how he came to the center and he became friends with others and began to learn how to play and interact and developed a whole set of friendships. We minister to them socially. We minister to them educationally. Uh, some of our project centers are schools. In some countries, it depends on the country, but we have schools that these children come to every single day. Some of our projects are after-school programs that help through tutoring and help them in their education. And we have a few projects that are actually homes that the children live in and, and provide for their needs in that way. But all of them, we help them minister. As a matter of fact, um, a sociologist from the University of San Francisco who studied third-world countries and asked the question, what can one person do to make a difference in this world? And he decided to look at all the opportunities that we would have to make a difference in the world through the government, through the church, through other social agencies. And his conclusion was that if you sponsor a child, it's the most effective way to make an impact in the life of an individual and the life of the country. Because a child who is sponsored is 40% more likely to finish secondary education than anyone else. They're 80% more likely to go on to get college training in some way. They're over 80% more likely to, to improve their lot in life. And that's usually because they'll become pilots like Lionel, or they'll become teachers, or they'll become uh, civic leaders, policemen, uh, government officials, pastors. Because somebody said, you matter and I care. 
And that's really the story that we try to do. And that's really the gospel message. It's the message that Jesus Christ tried to uh, communicate. It was based off of His own religion, His own religious beliefs, His spirituality. Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4 says, Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy, delivering them from the hand of the wicked. In Micah 6.8, it says, He's told you what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly before your God. What we really are trying to do is give a child hope, something that they don't have. And it kind of reminds me, you know, at this time of year, um, we all like to look forward for a hopeful future, right? We just uh, were in January. We've come through uh, the holiday season, and we get to January 1, and uh, a number of us make New Year's resolutions, right? How many people have made a New Year's? You made a New Year's. We got two hands. That's about right, okay? That's, that that kind of fits to, uh, probably statistics. How many people have already broken your New Year's resolution? Two hands. Okay, good. Um, that's about right. Well, you know, there, there is a verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. A lot of people love this verse. As a matter of fact, they say, this is, if you, favorite verses in the Bible, this is one of the top ones where it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, we all like to quote that because God has a future and a hope for me, and that's, we rally around that verse. Now, again, we don't really look at the context of that verse because that verse was given by the prophet Jeremiah in a letter to people that were in exile. In other words, they were hundreds of miles from home. They were not living in the land that God had promised to them. As a matter of fact, they had been taken captive and taken into a foreign land. They're in Babylon. They're in a foreign country. And essentially what the prophet is telling them, God has said, you're staying there. You are going to remain here. But, He says, remember, God knows the plans. He wants wants you to know that He cares for your welfare. It's not evil. He wants to give you a future, and He wants to give you a hope in your current situations. Now, most of us, when we're looking at resolutions, we're like, I need some hope for this new year because we set them up. It might be... um, you know, I need to lose X number of pounds, or I need to get into the gym, or I need to, uh, you know, organize my life better, or we make some kind of, as a matter of fact, if you look at it, let me give you the top resolutions, the top 10 resolutions. Most people, it was easy. I just Googled it, kind of came up with this list, kind of gathered uh, different uh, uh, sources to kind of come up with. Top 10, they're not in really particular order, but they do kind of move up in importance. The 10th most popular New Year's resolution. Ready? Floss regularly. I'm going to change the world by flossing my teeth. Bright, white, clean teeth. Number nine, travel. I want to travel this year, okay? Number eight, get organized. Organize my life, kind of de-stressify. Number seven, spend more time with family and friends. All right, now, okay. Number six, learn a new skill or hobby. Number five, spend less, save more. So try to 
get my budget in order. Number four, enjoy life to the fullest. I don't know what that means, I, 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 but that's enjoy life more. I guess be less stressful. But it, I get, it might be related to number three, live a more healthy lifestyle. This might mean to, you know, diet, eat less, eat more healthy, try to take stress out of my life. For some, it's quit some addictive habit. Uh, eating chocolate is mine. Um, but, uh, yeah, whether it's smoking or trying to live a more healthy lifestyle. Number two, lose weight. And number one, exercise more. Now, usually if you have a gym membership and have used it, Usually in December, you know, you can throw something and not hit anybody in December. Come January, it's like you have to like squeeze in to like, okay, I put my name down on that machine. I want to get on there, and it takes about 10, 15 minutes before, you know, you get up there to it. Because everybody's, by about this time, we're about three weeks in, the gym starts emptying out again. By the time you get to February, it's not... So, because really, when you look at it, here's the statistics. About 8% of people will achieve their New Year's resolution. 8%. Well, actually, only about 20% of us make New Year's resolutions. So, that to kind of the, the it, but of those 20% that do make them, only 8% of them will achieve them. So, usually 80% people fail by February. That's why the gyms empty out in February. But here's the good news those who do make resolutions are 10 times more likely to make positive change in their life than somebody who does not. So, now for all those of you who did not make resolutions, you get a redo today, okay? We, we can pretend this is January 1. You can just start today, and you say, okay, I'm going to make a resolution because now I'll be 10 times more likely to make some significant changes in my life. And actually, about 71% of the 8% that succeed, they actually failed somewhere along the line but just kept at it. One of the secrets in making successful change in your life is persistence. So even if you kind of have fallen off the wagon and you've stopped going to the gym or you ate that piece of chocolate cake or the whole chocolate cake or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you, you set out and you did well the first week and second week you're, and you failed and you're like, well, blew it. Now you're going to have to wait till next January to try it again. No, no. The people who are successful... Once they've kind of fallen on their face, they pick themselves up, dust themselves up, and they try it again, and they keep going on. So those that do make positive change are persistent. In fact, the most effective way to be successful and reach your goals is to base your goals on the foundation of virtuous values. Let me say it again. The most effective way to be successful and reach your goals is to Base your goals on the foundation of virtuous values. What do I mean, virtuous values? Virtuous, good. In other words, something that is ethical, some uh, principles in your life that are, you go, okay, so what is good? Good question. That was a good question. You're now probing. Trying. What would it be that if I were going to be successful in making change that would help me su succeed, if I want to base them on good values? Well, here it is. Think about your New Year's resolutions. 
for most of us, me included, they have to do with self-improvement. I need to lose some weight. I need to exercise more. I need to eat better. I need to get, I need to spend more time with friends. I need to travel more. Whatever it is, it usually is based on self-improvement. And that's not bad. We can all use some improvement. But how many of our New Year's resolutions are based on values that would actually, instead of improving ourselves, improve the world around us? Those are the values that we can build upon to help us make a difference. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what Jesus Christ talks about. Jesus Christ tells us that those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their lives for my sake will find it. He's saying the very is those who are so concerned about themselves are going to lose their life. They won't have anything to show for themselves except themselves. That can get pretty depressing when you look in the mirror in the morning. This is it. This is life right here. This is all I've got to speak for my 57 years of existence. But those who will lose their lives, in other words, give their life to something outside themselves, will find it. And And Jesus Christ says, for my sake. In the name of Jesus Christ. He goes on to talk about um, the wise and foolish builders. He's, he, because most of us, we, Christians, were called believers, right? And we oftentimes substitute a righteous spiritual life and we equate it to having the right beliefs. We substitute our devotion for believing. And we, so as long as I believe the right things, I'm, I'm good, right? Well, yeah, that's the beginning. We have to believe in it first. That's where we start. But it's about doing. Jesus Christ talks about those who hear my words and do it are like the builder who builds his house upon a solid foundation. When the storms come, that house will stand steady. But those who hear my words and don't do it, he didn't say believe, he said do, do it, are like the foolish builder who builds his house upon the sand. And when life begins to shake and the storms come and the wind blows, the foundations crack and crumble and the house comes falling down. Those who want to save their life will lose it, but those who will lose their life for my sake will find it. When we really look at uh, making a difference in this world, Those are the values that we can really look at. Good values. Good values are reality-based. They're something that we can do right now. Socially constructive. They are outward-focused and will help improve the world around us. They're internally motivated. In other words, they're not uh, based off of peer pressure, but they're, they're something that I believe in, something that I'm passionate about. They're personally controllable. It's something that I can do. I'm not waiting and they're immediately attainable. Well, poor values, you know, wishful thinking. Well, you know, I could wake up and I wish I would lose five pounds this week. Pass the chocolate cake. The wishing isn't going to accomplish, it's the doing. I, could believe, I can believe, I can look at myself in the mirror, I'm going to lose five pounds. I believe it. But if I don't do something about it, I'm never going to reach that goal. It's 
wishful thinking is poor value. Reality based is good value. Socially destructive. In other words, if I only am concerned about my well-being and I really could care less about those around me or those in the world that are in need. Well, Jesus Christ talked about it in Matthew 25. The difference between the sheep and the goats isn't their beliefs. They both said, Lord, Lord. They both believed. But those that said were welcomed in to enjoy God's presence were those that considered the least of these and did things for the least of these. And the, those that were directed and turned towards punishment were those that were only concerned about themselves and didn't look at the needs of those around them. Externally motivated, uh, poor values, those are peer pressure, um, relies on uncontrollable events. In other words, you, you, if some, if for me to accomplish my goal relies on, I want my boss's job. Well, that would mean my boss would have to lose his job for me to get it. So, you know, that's, I, I, what I can do is I can just do a good job myself. And whatever happens outside of that, I can control what I can control. I don't base my goals off those things I can't control. Or there, it's about uncertain or impossible results. In other words, I, it's something off in the future. And if it's something off in the future that I'm, I'm going to do that someday, then usually I'm going to forget about it and not attain it. That's why it needs to be immediately something I can do today. So it might not be, you know, it can grow and it can build. It might be not be my ultimate goal, but I hit those goals every single day. And the most effective way to be successful and reach your goals is to base those goals on virtuous values. What are they? Let me just give you a few. This is not an exhaustive list. Love is a good value. Jesus Christ himself said the greatest command is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Integrity is a good value. To speak honestly, to be a person of integrity, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Humility, to think of others before I even think of myself, to think of the well-being of others rather than myself. How about respect? Curiosity. Trying to find out, what is life like for another person? Let me hear you to be able to allow my curiosity and my questions and my concern develop into compassion, to hear their stories and be able to walk alongside people. Generosity. To be able to know that what God has given me isn't for my own benefit. It's so that I can bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing for others. I want to tell one more story. In this next picture, it's the next picture, not the Scripture verse. That picture, um, the young man in the white T-shirt, his name is Sonny Boy. That's his brother, Florence, in the blue T-shirt. Uh, they're from the Philippines. They're at one of our hope centers there. As a matter of fact, they were found on the streets in the Philippines when they were five and seven years old. Sonny Boy was five, Florence was seven, uh, by missionaries, uh, Glenn and Nancy Garrison. And our uh, project in the Philippines is a rescue home where they bring children in, as well as then they have a hope center where children come in on a daily basis. Well, Sonny Boy and Florence began to live at our hope center, Happy Horizons. 
Um, in this picture, they are 19 and 21. Uh, Florence, the older brother, um, has gone uh, on to Bible school. Uh, he had Bible college. He has graduated. And this picture is taken two years ago. And uh, Florence is now the chaplain, the pastor of Happy Horizons. He is the, the one who leads the Sunday morning services uh, for not just the children, but also the families of the community around them. Florence, who has now graduated, now it's two years later, at the time he was in Bible school, he's also now graduated, and not Florence, Sunny Boy, he has graduated and he now directs the feeding program at the Hope Center for over 500 children a week go through our feeding program there in the Philippines. These were two boys that um, if they weren't rescued off the home, off the, off the street from the, where they had been abandoned by their parents, there was no hope. But they were rescued because somebody said, you matter and I care. Somebody sponsored each of them throughout their whole years uh, in our programs, uh, enabling them to get to the point where they could see life better than what they experienced as children. They went on to Bible college, and like I said, now they are both uh, credentialed ministers, one the pastor, one directing the feeding program, making a difference in the lives of other people. You change the life of one, and it changes everything. And so whether it's Lionel, whether it's Maria, whether it's Nahum, whether it's Solomon, whether it's Sonny Boy or Florence, somebody went out beyond themselves and said, what can I do to make a difference in another life? And they made a difference in the life because they said, I care. And I want to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's the other thing that we do. We don't just take care of their physical needs, their social needs, and their educational needs. We present them the gospel of Jesus Christ, their spiritual needs, and that makes all the difference in the world. Now, what I want to challenge you here today, this morning, is you can make a difference. I would love for you to visit me out in the lobby, out in the back. Uh, I've got my table. I actually have some children that need sponsors. You can look at their pictures. Uh, you can see their age and where the country they're from. You can open it up and read a little bit about the story. Um, I would love for you to stop by and say, maybe for $39 a month, our family can make a difference in the life of this child. Let's do it. The cool thing about the video, Lionel's video, is I know who his sponsor is. And you probably didn't notice, but in the shots of the pictures that you show of his sponsor, there's this little seven-year-old red-headed girl. That's his sponsor. That's who writes him letters, and he writes letters back. Um, and I know the pastor of the church that that girl's family attends, and he says, that girl carries around a picture of Lionel, and she'll go, you want to see my brother in Africa? And she'll show him a picture of Lionel. The cool thing about it is Lionel has a picture of her. And he goes around and says, you want to see my sister in America? And he shows a picture of this little redheaded girl from North Carolina. And it makes a difference. He knows somebody is praying for him. He knows somebody cares for him. Somebody is sponsoring him. That was really Lionel's voice. That was his smile. It truly has changed his life.
And I want to invite you out of generosity, out of a, uh, maybe a passion, maybe out of just the concern. Say, I need to do something that's beyond myself. Come see me. But I want to also say that you can do that today, immediately in the world around you. It might be a family member. It might be a neighbor. It might be a work associate. It might be a phone call or a text that just says, hey, I'm thinking about you today. I'm praying about you today. That God wants to say, I want you to make a new year resolution. I want to set goal today that you're going to make a difference in the world around you. And however you are able to, through an encouraging word, through meeting a need, through sponsoring a child, through offering prayer, maybe even offering a meal, that God can use you to make a difference in the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you have blessed us. And really, we don't, can't even imagine to the depths and the width that you have blessed us. But we know that you've blessed us, and you have blessed us to be a blessing. And I pray, Lord, that we could commit ourselves fresh and anew today to make a difference in the world around us. Because changing the world for one changes everything. You've changed our lives. Let us, in the name of Jesus Christ, change the world around us. Amen.